Hello everyone, welcome back to the Officially Denied Podcast, I'm Peter. And I'm Toby. Right, Toby, so we're back from last week, and uh, I think at the end of um, at the end of the last uh, episode, we speculated about whether the next subject for discussion would be Theresa May getting, uh, getting the boot uh, following a week of basically her trying to reconcile her Brexit plan with the Brexiteers on her back benches. Um, however, she seemed to have survived after essentially conceding on, um, essentially conceding on uh, their red lines. And uh, instead, I think this week we're going to have to talk about um, right-wing terrorism in America. Yeah, unfortunately, it's it, news has seemed to bombarded us. Pardon the pun with bad news. So a lot of this week's news have been focused on the. S- the man who has been now dubbed the MAGA bomber, recently identified as uh, a Florida resident and Trump supporter who has been sending pipe bombs, improvised pipe bombs to uh, to Trump critics and to Democratic Party officials, including Bill Clinton, uh, Barack Obama, Cory, Cory Booker, the senator for New Jersey, uh, to the CNN offices, uh, to uh, the liberal financier George Soros and to and to others. Um, before being finally uh, arrested by the FBI and and soon to be, I think I think he's already been charged and will I think have his first court hearing on Monday but the more recent uh, and well deadlier uh, news is that yesterday a white supremacist uh, terrorist walked into a synagogue in Pittsburgh and gunned down 11 people in 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 this case the uh, the man was I guess not even um, not even so much on the Trump side of the political spectrum, but more on the kind of white supremacist neo-Nazi wing, which, you know, Trump has often tried to excuse. And um, people soon found his uh, profile on Gab, which, if you're not aware of it, is has basically been branded as Twitter for racists. Um, it's a social media network basically favored by you know, neo-Nazis, the alt-right, white nationalists, um, and uh, where this guy uh, had a history of posts basically um, blaming blacks and Jews for the downfall of, quote, Western civilization, um, and uh, where his final post read, I can't sit by and watch my people get slaughtered, screw your optics, I'm going in. So clearly there is several several things to be said about this. One, you know, uh, is about radicalization on the internet, um, about the complicity which I think many figures on the far right and many kind of online celebrities uh, on the far right are absolutely complicit um, in radicalization and in acts like this. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said uh, about the response or lack of response uh, by the Trump administration and the Republican Party when it comes to to these kind of attacks. I mean, well, in Trump's words, he said that it wouldn't have happened if there were, if there was more security within the synagogue, which one assumes that places for religious practices, which of course are peaceful areas as any non-conflict area should be, um, it, it assumes that those places should have a tight security and a small army of armed guards. Whereas 
there were already two guards, armed guards, at the synagogue, and they are on the list of people who died in the attack. Yeah, I mean, it was it was absolutely an atrocious response, and I I, I think a response which was calculated to defend the NRA more than defend, you know, more than critique the, uh, you know, and denounce the, uh, the right wing and the far right wing radicalization, which this guy, which led this guy to committing this atrocity. I think it, um, you know, going out and blaming essentially the synagogue for not having adequate security to protect them from a guy with an AR-15 and three handguns, I think is totally deplorable. Absolutely, yep. It, it, it's not the appropriate response. You, you'd at least expect, maybe, of course, condemning the 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 criminal, the domestic terrorist who carry out the attack. So con- condemning him, condemning all acts of racism, and then maybe some radio silence for twenty four hours in respect to something. But of course, Trump just went back to tweeting about baseball. And earlier, Peter, you mentioned Gab, the social media site, a.k.a. Nazi Twitter or whatever. And I've actually had um, a very interesting and actually quite scary run-in with um, the site and its users. So the CEO of Gab, uh, Andrew Torba, I think is his name, has recently been booted from uh, some networking site that basically if you're not on it you have no access to any other higher-ups in those companies are on it so it's not linkedin of course but it's it's basically like a mini linkedin for a couple companies and he's on it because not because of gab but because of another site he started so he's no longer in touch with his business contacts and gab has also been banned from paypal Anyway, um, and also taken off the Google Play Store recently. Um, in addition to that, which, to be fair, it's been on and off the Google Play Store for since its inception, basically. And the thing with Gab is, and specifically Andrew Torba is, he. I mean, since day one, he's been a dirtbag. So when when Gab started, it was maybe two years ago, a year ago, two, two, three years ago now. I think, it was, well, it was started in 2016, so then, uh, 20... basically as a response to a bunch of white nationalists and, you know, white supremacists, whatever you want to call them, getting booted off Twitter. Exactly, it was 2016. seeking an and... alternate social media platform. And it was weird because within 2016, there was that whole trend of alternatives to Twitter popping up. And a lot of people I know, um, a lot of tech journalists I follow, um, went to those sites, not because they were closet racists, but because it was just an interesting development in social media, and most of us had no idea that, hey, these were actually uh, racist uh, forums, basically. And when I went on Gab, I went on it and scrolled through it for about 10 minutes and was like, yep, this is actually terrible. There's rife anti-Semitism, rife racism and all sorts so i tweeted out about it saying well you know this is pretty terrible so just stay away from it so the ceo andrew torba himself quoted my tweet and i can't remember what he said but he basically insulted me and uh threatened me and i suddenly had a ton of either 
pro-Trump supporters or bots, we will never know, tweeting at me and DMing me with death threats. Like, I actually got death threats and had to shut down my Twitter account for a week, so I set it to private and just didn't tweet anything for about a week. So this guy, from personal experience, from day one, I knew he was a dirtbag, running a dirtbag site, and, well, his site essentially enabled um, communication for an act of anti-Semitism. Well, yeah, an act of anti-Semitism, which, you know, ended with 11 people dead uh, in a synagogue. Yeah. And I, I think there is... I mean, I, I think there is there, there there needs to be a discussion about who exactly is to blame for radicalizing these people, because, um, and it, you know, it's 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 amazing because this is this has been like the past the past year and a half. I think there has been a lot of um, a lot of outrage and a lot of paranoia about you know like Antifa and uh, radical left groups, you know essentially kicking over bins on the streets of Washington or something. And, um, you know, and, but all of a sudden, like, we what we still ignore overall is that the vast majority of terrorism, which happens in the United States, is not uh, on the far left, who have killed absolutely nobody, as far as I'm aware, recently. Um, it is not from Islamic extremists. Um, it is from from Nazis, from, from the, essentially as far-right, Essentially, it's far-right terrorism. That is the single deadliest um, form of terrorism in America. And, you know, w we have all these discussions about, um, you know, what can we do to de-radicalize Islamists? What can we do to, you know, prevent these people from having a platform, having an access to forums where they can, um, you know, coordinate, where they can essentially radicalize each other? And I, I, I think, I, and we as far as I'm aware, have not been having anywhere near as much of a discussion as we need to about what what we actually can do about far-right extremism and how that radicalization happens. And I, I think there are I think there are many parties to blame. I think, you know, most obviously, um, the um, the personalities uh, who, you know, that were, you know, I don't want to, like, call them political commentators even because that's like that seems way too legitimate uh but um you know, essentially you know the like the, the popular figureheads who you know spread these anti-semitic conspiracy theories who you know spread the the nonsense about you know the the, the kind of stuff which led this guy to people do like, what he did which is people like alex jones and milo yiannopoulos well, people like, well, and, you know, even more extreme figures who, you know, spread, like, the kind of conspiracy theories which motivated this guy is, you know, for instance, the the well-known kind of theory on the on the far right, which is, you know, that Jews are essentially seeking to exterminate Western civilization with mass immigration or stuff like that, uh, which I, I think is something that this guy was uh, talking about on Gab. So I think those kind of people are 100% complicit when this kind of stuff happens. Um, and just in the same way as, you know, all sorts of, you know, hate preachers, you know, for instance, some, you know, it, you know, Islamic hate preachers in Britain and elsewhere are complicit when, when, you know, radical Islamic terrorists go up and commit, commit, you know, commit acts of terror when, when they go out and kill people. I, so I, 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 you know, I think these people are definitely complicit. I think also the networks and the platforms which allow them, which allow them to radicalize so many are you know, also have to take a long look 
uh, whether, you know, and how they're, you know, they are essentially uh, participating in this radicalization. You know, a lot a lot of the, you know, you know, we, we talk about Gab, which, you know, relatively is kind of an obscure, you know, far right Twitter variant. Um, but like a lot of these, a lot of these a lot of these figures, you know, you, you can find them on, you can still find them on Facebook, you, you can still find them on YouTube, which has a huge uh, far-right kind of presence, um, which uh, YouTube really doesn't want to do anything about. And, and um, see, YouTube's stance towards being responsible for upholding a certain moral neutrality and being morally neutral basically means just don't allow Nazis on, of course. But they seem to be very, very shady when it comes to who to keep on the site. So a lot of comedy channels or uh, others, basically channels that make positive content get demonetized for all sorts of uh, bullshit reasons. Yet these very strange AI-generated children's videos still keep being allowed on the site and still keep being made. And also, as you said, all this far-right preaching and far-right conspiracy channels, they're still allowed on YouTube. So YouTube is, is, very, is playing a dangerous game where they're just, they're not putting their foot down when they really, really should. Um, I think we have lived long enough kind of in this with this idea that kind of what happens on the internet stays on the internet. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the alt-right essentially being a bunch of, you know, harmless offensive internet trolls uh who you know create racist memes and just harass people on twitter but you know i i think if 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 yesterday's events show anything is that you know there is a very dangerous and very terrifying real world element to this and again like it's it's something which we you know have long recognized when it comes to other forms of terrorism when it comes to you know islamic extremism we, we we've already long been having a discussion about uh you know measures we need to take and how how these people can ut- utilize the internet for you know to radicalize vulnerable people and so forth you know this is what the patriot act was about for fuck's sake mm. and yet yet when it comes to yeah when it comes to the far right we haven't been having that discussion at all we we have again lived in this with this kind of idea that when it comes to these individuals which again is the single deadliest is the single you know deadliest uh, type of terrorism in america that there is you know you can look up statistics on it you know that's simply a fact um you know, we, we've kind of been insulated from that. We, we, we don't seem to want to think that, you know, when it comes to when it comes to these figures, um, some, somehow it's somehow it's OK. Somehow it is just harmless trolling. And, you know, clearly, clearly it's not. I, and, I, I, you know, and finally, I, I think there I think especially if you talk about, you know, the uh, the pipe, the guy who was sending pipe bombs, the MAGA bomber, um, you know, we we do need to have a serious uh, have a serious kind of uh, discussion about whether you know politicians like Donald Trump are complicit and in in this kind of radicalization in encouraging violence. You know, this is a this is a this is someone who, especially when he was running for president. Um, essentially constantly delegitimized the democratic process through calling for his opponent to be jailed, through encouraging supporters in his rallies to attack political opponents, to attack journalists, saying that, you know, uh, he would pay their legal fees if they, you know, kick this guy's teeth in. Well, if he's, you know, of course, inciting 
Um, so, someone who also have someone who also, uh, by the way, uh, implied that the Second Amendment people uh, might be able to do something about Hillary Clinton, and now we have one of these Second Amendment people sending, you know, the Clintons a bomb. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was about to say. The fact that he in- mostly encourages, I mean, I'll say minor acts of violence, because if we're talking on a scale, I de- you know, of course, punching someone in the face is a violent act, full stop, but unfortunately we have a scale here where punching someone is a minor act of violence and shooting someone is a major act of violence trump well, it's about it's about creating an atmosphere exactly. where political violence is seen as legitimate exactly and and, and 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 you know in the case of these people they feel more emboldened uh, to carry this kind of stuff out part, you know partly as a result of the kind of you know radicalization that happens you know this is you know trump of course has not engaged in the most extreme conspiracy theories but, but but you know he he does go there you know he th- this is someone who you know uh who him and his spoke people spokespeople they they constantly you know um spread uh, misinformation about uh you know about people like george soros about uh you know who who call uh you know media the enemy of the people and now cnn has received a bomb in their mailbox you know this is um People like, uh, you know, just uh, just the other day, uh, some high-profile uh, anchor on Fox News by the name of Lou Dobbs uh, was, or on Fox Business, uh, was essentially suggesting that George Soros was um, engineering this caravan of migrants that is heading... Um, that is heading currently heading through Mexico on its way to the United States, and you know, and what do you know? The next day, someone just someone uh, someone shoots up a synagogue because he thinks that George Soros and and uh, you know Jews are trying to destroy America through immigration. You know, this kind of stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. Exactly. Um, I I would argue that um, see if we if you want to be strict, unless someone actively says go commit an act of violence, they are not um, complicit. However, I would argue that they are, because as a politician, you have a responsibility to stand for what's right and what's wrong. Of course, it's presumed that you'd say that, well, acts of violence are bad, Nazism is bad, um, being kind to others is good. Of course, that would be presumed, but unfortunately, we live in a time where Nazism is rife and politicians are using it to their advantage because it's part of their voter base or maybe not a large part of their voter base but a large part of their vocal supporters. So Trump not saying anything makes him complicit. He really needs to step out and say something. But he probably won't, because at the end of the day, the far right is his strongest uh, support group. Sure. And, you know, again, this is someone who, you know, again, like, I, you know, I don't want to call Trump a Nazi because, well, come on. I mean, that's I think that that would be hyperbolic. But uh, this is, again, someone whose rhetoric does serve to embolden the kind of attitudes which these people have and the kind of attitudes which you know, has led these people to commit violence. And 
So, so yeah, I mean, in general, I, I think there's a lot of complicity going around, you know, both with the the people who are responsible for radicalizing these individuals, uh, with the platforms which enable that radicalization, and with the, you know, political and media figures who create, you know, first help spread some of these conspiracy theories, and who secondly create uh, generally an, an atmosphere which you know, who serve to essentially delegitimize the the democratic process and who seem to encourage, you know, in, in Trump's case, acts of political violence. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think uh, they can, you know, after, you know, after uh, these people have gone out and, you know, sent bombs to opposition figures and, me, and you know, unfriendly media, and after one of them has, you know, shot 11 people, you know, I don't think, you know, they can just uh, put their hands up after that and say, oh, well, we, we disavow violence, it's, it's, it's all wrong, you know, we, we think Nazis are bad, whatever. You know, after, after they've spent the past two, two to three years essentially emboldening and encouraging these kind of people and these kind of actions. Yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately, I, I, I think we have to, I, we definitely have to start treating this as a serious form of terrorism, because, you know, as I've mentioned before now, it is, it is, right-wing terrorism is the single fo- deadliest form of terrorism in the United States, and for the, you know, essentially because it's, I guess, politically inconvenient to talk about it in the same way that we talk about radical Islamic terrorism, uh, we haven't been anywhere near as vigilant about it and anywhere near as serious about it and you know you know like the um the shooter the pittsburgh pittsburgh you know synagogue shooter i mean like that that shooting is currently not being an investig investigated as a as domestic terrorism it's investigated as a hate crime which you know i i've always thought was you know like where is i guess the line between that I mean, how many people does someone have to kill and how clear do their motivations have to be before we start taking this stuff seriously? I don't get it. No, that's insane. Um, I'm pretty sure in the UK, if you, if you, someone is to kill someone else with motives of racial hate, for example, I think that counts as domestic terrorism. Am I, am I wrong? Again, like I, I don't know what like the legal difference is, to be honest. But, but in the it, U.S., it, it, it's it seems strange to me that but in the U.S. Like this wouldn't be considered exactly. In the U.S., it's weird. A mass shooting is only above a certain number, which is insane. Anything above one person is no longer just a single homicide or two people being killed in a house. If somebody walks into a shop and kills two people, I mean that is a that is a shooting, a mass shooting. And the U.S. tried to turn a blind eye with language. They tried to mask um, the impact of certain acts of terrorism, as we've just been stating, by using language that diffuses it. You know, I I, I think also like we 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 mentioned Trump's response at the start, and I I think it's also very indicative of how we're not taking this seriously because again his response was essentially like a pre-made kind of statement about uh you know in in favor of like gun rights it, like it didn't occur to to him and to you know the people around him that this was something much bigger than that you know this is like the the, the way it was treated was as if it was just any random person you know walked into any you know place of gathering and just gunned down people for no reason and like it was essentially treated like you know a 
a shooting at a mall would be treated, you know, with just a random madman. But 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 the, but this is not. And if you um, when the Pittsburgh shooting happened yesterday, you know, m- most most people were when they were talking about it, um, you know, you know, on television, online, everywhere, right? Um, you know, politicians, media, so journalists, whatever. Um, you know, the, the the main focus of discussion was, you know, the fact that this guy was, you know, a white supremacist terrorist, basically. Um. Um, you know, about how, you know, what could, you know, the, the radicalization that led him uh, to commit this act, all, all this kind of stuff, uh, you know, and, and about how, you know, political violence is, you know, becoming more and more kind of mainstream in our political discourse, as terrifying as that is to say, you know, like Trump's Trump's response was not uh, in any way directed, you know, towards that it was just oh well if they had security maybe it would have gone differently when like the discussion isn't even i i think the discussion isn't from what i've seen isn't even about the second amendment this time it's about something even like you know totally different you know sure like if if they want to go down that argument like fine you know we can we can we can talk all day about how maybe we shouldn't allow you know unstable individuals to own ar-15s but you know that that's not even what the discussion was about and then because and them treating it like that, I think, shows that they're totally inability to look at the actual issue, in part because I think they're complicit in it. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that, that's fair. There, there is a uh, responsibility to how you focus your argument and whether you're talking about mental health uh, mixed, so mental health and, and gun laws or political responsibility or whether killing someone's bad the media do have the power to state what's right or wrong and present to the people what's right or wrong. So I wouldn't really say most media outlets, most mainstream media outlets within reason, of course, something like Fox News doesn't count, but mainstream media outlets with integrity, they, they're focusing on what Trump's saying and they're not really commenting on it as the the way they should they're not really saying well trump really needs to be held responsible or whatever they're they're just saying that well he's not saying the right thing full stop whereas he needs to be held responsible so on a final note i guess i mean we, we we've talked about we've touched on how you know online platforms such as youtube such as you know other big social media platforms like twitter um you know, are are essentially a space where this kind of radicalization can happen. I mean, what what do you think is kind of the line where we say, okay, these people should not be given access to that platform, if 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 you even think there is such a line? One thing is the argument for censorship completely, and whether these people should be just denied access to the internet as a whole, or whether sites such as social media, uh, sites like now, uh or whether social media sites such as Twitter or Facebook or YouTube should act upon it. There are two different arguments. So when it comes to complete online censorship, that's completely impossible. There's no way to enforce that. And if you did, you'd be pushing a political agenda. People should have their space to talk. Not not that I think that we should enforce like total censorship. No, of course. Gab completely has its right to exist. And I, although I wish it didn't, of course, it will exist. And that's fine because 
now other sites are cutting their ties to it, so it should exist in isolation. However, this takes me to my second point about sites cutting ties. On a corporate perspective, companies have a certain image they need to uphold. YouTube, for example, keeps trying to push this image that it's a family-friendly site, yet it keeps supporting people such as the Paul brothers, or, as we're arguing, supremacists uh, of white supremacy or whatever other way you want to put it. And supporting these actors um, will make it less likely for investors and companies to want to advertise on their site. However, YouTube is quietly still letting these people on. And it does have a responsibility to kick them out while also a responsibility for upholding a certain moral standard. They don't have to allow, they're not a bastion of free speech. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and any other site doesn't have to defend free speech and say this is an open platform for everything. They're allowed to do whatever the hell they they want because... At the end of the day, you're using their service, and if not, go somewhere else. Go to Gab. Yeah, I, I think that you know, like on your on your uh, prior point, I think um, when you were you, you know you were talking about these companies essentially making a political statement for their actions. You know, I I think there comes a point where not taking a side is also a political statement in itself. I think you know I think Twitter allowing racists is a form of political statement. You know, like you can't be entirely neutral in this and expect. Uh, you know, to essentially absolve yourself of responsibility. Yeah, you have to pick a side. If yeah, I, and I, you know, look, I, you know, do do I do I think that people with deplorable, you know, racist, hateful views should be allowed to, you know, communicate with each other on the internet? Yeah, I, I think I, you know, I do. I, 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 you know, I'm not in favor of that kind of censorship. You know, I, I, you know, I, I think free speech still matters, and it matters a whole lot. Yeah, as an but... individual, not picking a side in an argument um, about whether you know races should be allowed their their way of expressing themselves, not picking a side on that and saying neutral and allowing uh, both sides to make have their points is perfectly fine, as it should be. But as a site, as a company you do or a politician you do have to take a stance i i, I think like sure and well i i think when it comes to somewhere like youtube which again i think you know people underestimate just how big of a ground it is for the far right um i i, I think when i when it when it comes to these places again they need to you know i, I think seriously examine uh the role which they play in this kind of radicalization you know i I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way, right? Would YouTube allow giant, you know, channels with hundreds of thousands of subscribers and millions of views um, to operate if they, you know, let's say, okay, let's say, you know, are you aware of Anjum Chowdhury? Uh, I'm not, no. Okay, a uh, very well-known Islamist hate preacher here in the UK, recently released from jail. Um, you know, as the, the kind of person who, you know, attended protests where people were saying, like, bomb the UK, uh, you know, who has personally radicalized, uh, you know, 
Islamic terrorists who have killed people on the streets of Britain. Um, you know, if, if this if this guy set up a YouTube channel, or someone like him, and it started gaining, you know, hundreds of thousands of subscribers and, you know, tens of millions of views, would YouTube sit idly by and allow him to have that platform? I don't think so. I, I genuinely don't. And partly, partly, because I think there would be a giant outcry from politicians, from, you know, people of all from, you know, the mainstream media, from everyone, that, like, what, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you allowing this person to have such a huge platform to, to radicalize vulnerable people? And, and, but for some reason, when it comes to far-right extremism, we, we don't take it that seriously. And, you know, again, it, it, it comes to, comes back to what I was saying earlier. We don't consider this um, in any way, anywhere near as seriously as it should. I, I, I think, you know, People who are responsible for radicalizing people, you know, who then go on to commit acts of terror. You know, I, I think they should be held, you know, in the same kind of vein of seriousness, regardless of what, you know, what ideology or what part of the political spectrum they're from. Exactly. And I, I, don't, I don't think YouTube is doing that at all. No, not at all. Um, if you were to gain access to an ISIS beheading video and upload it to YouTube, not only would it be removed, but you'd be charged with criminal offences. But if you put up a video calling for the same type of action um, to be done in the name of white superiority, that stays on. And yeah, just YouTube isn't taking the right course of action, if you, as you've quite rightly said. You know, of course, like in most cases, these people are not promoting, you know, actual acts of violence you know they're not saying go out and you know commit murder commit terrorism of course not but, but it's implied but, but well they, they create the exact uh, kind of mentality they spread the exact same conspiracy theories which then lead to people going and doing it again you know you can look up the kind of stuff that this guy uh you know the the Pittsburgh shooter you know, was writing on Gab. It's exactly the kind of conspiracy theories which you can find on giant you know YouTube channels uh, some of them, you know, more thinly kind of under a, under, under, a, under a bigger veil than others, if you will. Um, but it's still out there. And I, I and you know, I, I think we really need to take a hard look. And I think these platforms need to, t need to think really hard about their role in this radicalization. And now to wrap up, Peter and I were going to talk about Halloween, because I finally got around to seeing it and have a lot of thoughts about it. But we're going to forego including it in this episode of the podcast. It just doesn't feel right to have had such a <laughs> intense discussion on serious issues and then move on to talk about film. It's not the film in question, it's just film in general. So we will probably be recording mini-episode later on in the week exclusively about films so yeah uh do stay tuned for that uh, at some point during the week uh we should have that up uh apart from that uh thank you for listening to what i believe has been the 15th episode of the officially tonight podcast yep 15th episode and, and uh we will see you guys next time see you guys next time remember to share the podcast online share it on facebook share it on twitter on itunes we we want to say we want to get our itunes ratings up so give us a rate on itunes a little review, that would be much appreciated.